Hi all, David here. I run the Teal Talks podcast. We've been growing very fast as of late. I feel like this is the right time to pose a question, so here it is. What other types of content do you want to hear from this podcast? And what other features would you like to see as a part of this community? For example, should we set up a Discord? Please email your thoughts to peterteelaudio at gmail.com. I read and respond to every message, and I would love to hear from you. Okay, now back to the program. I, I do think that, uh, that seeing China in, in an adversarial way um, would be you know, a helpful start, and, uh, and Silicon Valley has not been that good on this, although, although it's, you know, it's, in some ways it's, it's, it's structurally better than, um, than Wall Street or Hollywood or the universities because uh, Silicon Valley, for the most part, has been frozen out of China. And, uh, and so it's not, uh, it doesn't naturally believe that it, it can get that much out of it. If you look at the, you know, if you look at the big five tech companies, um, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, virtually very, very little presence in China. And so they, they aren't naturally, you know, a pro, pro-China constituency. Apple is probably the one that's structurally um, a real problem because the, the whole iPhone supply chain um, gets made from China, and Apple is the one that has has real synergies with with China. Um, but then uh, uh, then there is something about the uh, you know the woke politics inside these companies, the way the way they think of themselves as not really American companies, and uh, and it, it's it's somehow very very difficult to uh, for them to have a sharp anti-China edge of, of any sort. From China's point of view, they want to get, um, they don't like the U.S. having this reserve currency because it gives us, you know, a lot of leverage over, you know, Iranian oil supply chains and all sorts of things like that. Um, they like, uh, they don't want the renminbi to become a reserve currency because then you have to open your capital account and you have to do all sorts of things that they, they really don't want to do. Um, you know, I think the euro you could think of as, you know, was in part a Chinese weapon against the dollar. It didn't, in the last decade, it hasn't quite worked out that way, but that was, you know, China would have liked to see two reserve currencies like, like the euro. And, uh, you know, even though I'm sort of a pro-crypto, pro-Bitcoin maximalist person, I, I do wonder whether at this point Bitcoin is also, uh, should also be thought in part of, as a Chinese uh, financial weapon against the U.S., where it's, it is, it threatens fiat money, but it especially threatens the uh, the U.S. Uh, dollar, and um, and China wants to do things to weaken it. So it's sort of China is long Bitcoin, and perhaps from a geopolitical perspective, uh, the U.S. should be a little bit uh, be asking some tougher questions about exactly how that works. But I, I, some some internal stablecoin in China, that, I mean that's not that's not a real cryptocurrency. That's just a, you know that's just some sort of totalitarian measuring device. You know I think the thing. Um, that's problematic about TikTok is that uh, it again has this sort of incredible exfiltration of data about people. It's, you're sort of creating this incredibly uh, privacy-invading map of you know, you know, um, a large part of you know the population of the, of the Western world. It doesn't seem like the sort of thing that it, you know, if you shut it down, it would be you know this economic catastrophe either. You know, I think I think India banned TikTok, and there were sort of less good alternatives that that popped up that were that were local and. And I, I don't think it was like a tremendous, tremendous loss. And so, so it's uh, so I think how to talk about it is often quite tricky. And we need to figure, figure out a way where we can say that it's both this um, problematic AI technology on one level, and then on another level, it's not that valuable a technology at all. Uh, and and for which reason we we can probably do without it.
It is, it is really an extraordinary sociological political experiment with, with no real 20th century precedent. I mean, you know, there, there are ways that, you know, probably, you know, <laughs> Stalin was still worse than G and right. probably killed more people, but, uh, but just the degree of hooks that you have into people is, is just extraordinary. It's sort of like, you know, it's like sort of the government's, you know, in your innermost core and it's completely out, it's like the God of St. Augustine. It's like <laughs> totally outside you, totally inside you, yeah. knows everything about you. I had, I had a set of conversations with some of the Google people on the DeepMind AI technology where, you know, is your AI being used to, you know, run the concentration camps in, uh, in Jingyang? And well, we don't really know and don't ask any questions. And, um, and you have this almost magical thinking that, uh, you know, um, by pretending that everything's fine, that's how you engage and have a conversation and, and you, you make the world better. And it's some combination of wishful thinking, it's, you know, useful idiots, um, you know, it's CCP fifth columnist collaborators. <laughs> uh, so it's some superposition of all these things. But yeah, look, I think, I think if you think of it ideologically or in terms of, you know, human rights or something like that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to say it's just profoundly racist. It's like saying that, you know, because they look different, they're not white people. Um, they don't have the same rights. There's, it's, it's, there's something super wrong, but uh, but I, I don't quite know how you unlock that.